This week we are in week six of our Soul Shift series. And I encourage you to take your Bibles, if you have them, turn to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. There are a few Bibles in the pew in front of you, although they also the words will be up on the screen as we read this. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. And it goes like this. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they, all, where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothing became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Lord, we pray that your blessing on this passage that has been read to us. Lord, may these words and the words of your servant Speak to us this morning. Lord, may you transform us as we offer ourselves to you as living sacrifices during this time. Lord, we, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It was September 11th, 2001. I think you all know the day that I'm talking about. The new day that will live in infamy. And there was a man, his name was William Sinclair. Uh, Sinclair was a computer expert. He was working at the Pentagon. His company had been uh, contacted or been um, uh, hired to perform computer expert services at the Pentagon. And so he was there at his desk that he worked at daily, really. He was there, in fact, when they heard the news that planes had crashed into the World Trade Centers. And of course, like many of us, they were kind of transfixed on then what was happening and following the news in New York when all of a sudden his world was turned upside down when American Airlines Flight 77 crashed into his section of the Pentagon. He was with his others that were around him were thrown from their seats. The building started to immediately um, and come in upon them and, and smoke filled the air and it started to get awful hot as the heat was picked up. Now, he wasn't the only one in the area. There was another gentleman. His name was Isaac, and I'll try to get this right. It's Haupi. Ha Haupi. Isaac was, we'll call him Isaac, okay? Isaac was uh, an officer in the Pentagon's um, police um, bomb sniffing unit. And so he was on duty. He was in his car less than a mile, less than a mile from the Pentagon. And as soon as it came across, the dispatcher was saying that the Pentagon's been hit by a plane. Um, Isaac took off, and he just hit the gas, and he drove. And they said whatever he was doing in that short time, he got there in less than a minute. But by the time they got back and checked out his car, the transmission was shot. He did whatever he had done, and he'd get there in such a hurry to stop and wherever he had driven. But he arrived. Now, Isaac was 6'2". 260 pounds, and of Hawaiian descent. 
And so Isaac had come, and, and he was coming, and he was running into the building. And he ran into the, where there was two double doors open. And they walked, he walked, ran in. They were saying, don't go, don't go. But Isaac went in. And so as Isaac was going in there, he started bringing out people, carrying out people on his big 6'2", 260 body and carrying them out. But the, the, he got eight people out alive, carrying them out. Finally, got to the point, though, where the smoke was too dense, too black, and the heat was too much, and he couldn't do it. And so he's thinking, what can I do? And so he went to the opening. He went to the opening of the doors, and he started yelling. He says, can anybody hear me? Can anybody hear me? He said, if anybody could hear me, head toward my voice. And for the next minutes and time, he went by. He was just hollering. If you could hear me, if anyone could hear me, head toward my voice. William Sinclair was still in that dark room. Had no idea where to go because it was black. His eyes were burning. Him and those around him heard that voice of Isaac. They heard a voice saying, if you can hear me, head toward my voice. He got out. In fact, he said he walked out, he crawled out, his knees and, and, and legs were bloodied. His skin had been burnt with second and third degree burns. He spent three weeks in the hospital, but he was saved. And he was saved because of the voice of Isaac. A few weeks later, he said, I, I, I wanted to meet, I wanted to know who it was that had saved me. So he, he's trying to get the word out. People start hearing this story about Isaac Haopei. And they said, that might be your guy. They got him together on the phone. And he said, as soon as I talked with him, I heard that accent. I knew that was the voice of the man who had saved me. Kind of reminds me of what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, when he says this, my sheep listen to my voice. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. My sheep listen to my voice. It's interesting, the next verse right after this says, and I give them eternal life. I give them life. Much like Isaac had given life to Sinclair. Jesus Christ says, my sheep hear me. They know my voice and they follow me and I give them life. All you got to do is listen. Listen to the voice of the shepherd. But for some of us today, let's face it, listening is not a skill that we're real good at. Sometimes even with each other, right? <laughs> but definitely when it comes to God. Listening to God it can be very, very difficult, if not impossible, it seems like for some of us. Some, and there may be many reasons for it. One reason maybe is we just do a little too much talking. That's a lot of the times in our communication, instead of listening, isn't it? We talk. And we approach God with, in our prayer time with talking. And it's, Lord, here's what's happening. Here's what I think you need to do about it. And here's the way you should do it. And by the way, if you could do it in this time frame also, that would be wonderful. And so we get this, this conversation with God that is really us asking and telling and informing him, which is why I think the shift that we are talking about today is one of the most critical shifts that we as Christians, as Christ followers, can make. And that is this shift from ask to listen. 
from ask to listen. We're, we're, good at, we're good at talking and we're good at asking. And this is interesting, this ask as we study it and, and especially as you get into your book a little bit, those of you who are following this in your growth groups, this isn't just asking God and we tend to do that. We tend to just go, Lord, I need this, 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 this. Would you give me this, 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 and this? But it's also asking others. How many of us, when we're facing a tough decision, the first thing we go is to somebody else, or even a little decision, and we go to friends and family. What do you think? What do you think? And we, that, give me the pros. Give me the cons. And it's, it's not that that's necessarily wrong, especially if they're an expert in that area. But I'm afraid sometimes it's we are expecting God to be talking to them about us <laughs> instead of seeking God directly. That way maybe we can push the blame on them if it doesn't work out right. We, we say we're expecting that God is spending his time telling somebody else, Aunt Martha, about what she should tell me instead of telling me directly. Now, Aunt Martha might be a great prayer warrior. Aunt Martha might be someone that's prayed for me or you for someone for years and years and years. But when it comes to giving advice, she may give great advice and she may be praying, but at some point in time, you have to go to God and say, God, is Aunt Martha speaking your words? I need to hear from you, God. It's great to hear from Aunt Martha, but I want to hear from you. That's what we need to be doing. Instead of, instead of asking, instead of searching, instead of seeking others' opinions, instead of just going to God and saying, God, I need this, I need this, I need this, this shift says sometimes we need to slow down, quiet down, and listen. That's what this passage kind of gets to us with this morning that we just read. This Mark chapter 9 transfiguration that we call it. This transfiguration, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain. We don't know for sure, but a lot of people think it's Mount Hermon, H-E-R-M-O-N, which by the way, I'm going to be there Friday. <laughs> That's kind of exciting, isn't it? Or I looked at the brochure and it said, Friday we get this panoramic view of Mount Hermon. So we'll be able to look and say, that is where we believe Jesus Christ was transfigured. He was changed. He was glorified. Looking out and seeing this sight and being up there with Peter, James, and John, I can imagine what this was like. A dazzling light, a brilliant light. The clothes were brighter than you can ever imagine. No one can believe, ever imagine how bright that light was. And then to see Moses and Elijah show up. Wow. Then the cloud descend. Oh, in the meantime, Peter's running his mouth. <laughs> well, let's build some tents. Let's get some things here. Because he says he was scared. He didn't know what to say. And Peter, like a lot of us, when we don't know what to say, don't be quiet. <laughs> we, we run our mouths. And he was running his mouth. And, then, and, and so the, the cloud descends. And out of the cloud comes this voice. And the voice says, oh, this is my son. I love him. Listen to him. Listen to him. I think he was really blessing Peter, James, and John here with an affirmation that, hey, you know, Peter, you know what you said a couple of ch chapters before when you said, who, who are you? And, and you said, you are Jesus. You are the Christ. You're right. You're right. And here's proof. You want to see him glorified? I'll show you him glorified. 
And by the way, he's my son. And by the way, I love him. And then a direction, an instruction. Listen. Listen to him. As Christians, or them as disciples, I think God was telling them first and foremost, basic, listen to what he has to say. I think as disciples today, the first and foremost instruction we get is listen to him. I think as pastor and pastoral staff, the first thing that we need to be doing is to listen to what God has to say. Our elders, I pray that they are on their knees listening to what God has to say. Our administrative council, I pray that our leadership are listening to what God has to say because God has something to say. We are listeners. In his classic book with Christ in the School of Prayer, Andrew Murray reminds us that this, prayer is not a monologue, but a dialogue. God's voice is its most essential part. Listening to God's voice is the secret of the assurance that he will listen to mine. Listening to God's voice is the secret assurance that God will listen to mine. I got to confess as I think about this, I think it's easy to, easier in my mind anyhow to think about listening to Jesus and when he's standing in front of you. You know, for Peter, Paul, Peter, James, and Peter, or Peter, James, and John, it, it, this would have, this, I mean, he's right there, right? How can you miss him? How can you not listen to him? Add to that some dazzling light and some smoke. And, and I could just, this morning, we could, we, could, we could try that. We could turn these lights in your face and we could get a fog machine in here and we could conjure up all of this and say, listen, listen. But that's, that's not the voice that I think today we are called to hear. God is communicating. We believe he still speaks. The Reformation and the beginning of the Friends Movement shortly after was based on this fact that Jesus Christ still speaks to us today. That God has not lost his voice. He speaks. But how does he speak? How does he speak to us today? Jesus gives us a little bit of a clue in John chapter 16, verse 13, when he's getting ready to leave. He says, I'm going to get you ready to leave, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. And he says this, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is to come. So Jesus is saying, I'm not going to be here physically. I understand. So how are you going to hear from God? He says, I have a spirit, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. God himself will come and not just be beside you, but he will be in you. And he will be speaking and he will guide you. So God is a God who speaks and he's never given up speaking. He, he spoke from the very beginning. He spoke the world into existence. He spoke to Adam and Eve as they were walking through the garden. He spoke to Abraham. He said, Abraham, pick up and move. He spoke to Noah. He said, Noah, build a boat. Spoke to Moses. When he spoke to Moses, first time he spoke to him in a burning bush. Sometimes it's a unique experience. He spoke to David. 
When he spoke to David one time, when David really needed to hear a message, he spoke to him through a man. He sent a prophet, Nathan, and said, here's the message, you give it. Sometimes God speaks through other people. Elijah heard God in a still, small voice. Saul, to be known Paul, heard God in the midst of a bright and shiny light. God is a God who speaks. Jesus says he's going to continue to speak through his Holy Spirit. He will not lose his voice. God will speak. And we can shut our Bibles and go home now, and I think that would be a message that would be good to remember. God speaks. God speaks today just like he spoke to Adam and to Moses and to Noah and to David. God speaks But I think that would only be half the story. And I would think that would probably leave us with a question that's on everybody's mind. So how do I hear from God? If God is speaking, how do I hear from God? Anybody ever have that question? You don't have to raise your hands. How do I hear from him? Let me ask you a question. How do you hear from God? How do you? See, I'm learning from Jesus. He always answered a question with a question, right? <laughs> so how do you hear from God? You know, the Bible doesn't give us a one, two, three, four, here's what you do. I was thinking if somebody asked me this morning for a, uh, how I should hear from God, I'd probably say, well, go home, uh, get some pillows out and stand on your head face Detroit and say the Lord's Prayer 44 times. And if it works, come tell me. <laughs> if you hear, come tell me, you know. Because, you know, we, there's, what's the method? We all want a formula, don't we? We want to be able to Google, how do I hear from God? And I Googled that this week. How do I hear from God? Because we want to hear what people say. We want to hear their 10 steps to hearing from God. Should I take that job? Should I stay single? Should I get married? So who do I marry? Should I volunteer for that position at church? The answer is yes. <laughs> Should I retire? We have those questions, don't we? We have questions. Um, how about this question? This was raised after this message last week when we talked about being a steward of God. I heard in some of the growth groups people were saying when we were talking about enough. We said, we, you know, we, we, there's a point where we, we, we have enough. And the question came up, how much is enough? Came up a couple times in my wife Sheila's growth group Wednesday night. She told him, I think he's going to answer that question Sunday. <laughs> so I got the pressure on me. How much is enough? Well, have you been listening to God? Have you been listening to God to say, how much, Lord, is enough for me? How much is enough for our family? And more than just asking, but listening. Listening. I, I thought about this a lot this week as I was thinking how we approach God, how we listen to God, and I was remembering 
um, some conversations and actually some instruction I was receiving and we were receiving about less than a year ago. It was May or April, I think, at the Friends Pastors Conference. We were together uh, for our conference and, and it was a, we were expecting a good time. And I was very interested to see that the leader of that um, seminar was teaching about prayer. His name was John Pipo. Now, you wonder how you spell Pipo? Here's how you spell P I I P P O. No, yeah, P I I P P O, pronounced John Pipo. John is, you know, he just looks like any other guy from the farm, you know? <laughs> he came in in jeans and t shirt, and I didn't even know if he was really leading this seminar or not, and he just comes up front. John was sharing with us a little bit of his life and his book. His book is this, Praying Reflections on 40 Years of Solitary Conversations with God. For 40 years, every Tuesday, John has taken at least a half a day and gone away for three to six hours with nothing but his Bible and a notepad and a pen and spent time with God. He's, there's three to six hours every Tuesday. He's, oh, man, that would be so cool. But what would us, some of us do with three to six hours <laughs> alone with God? And so he started sharing with us, and I'm thinking, boy, this is, gonna, this is the guy who's going to give me the formula, right? If anybody's got a formula for hearing God, this guy's got it. And through this, he shared with us, and, and it's in his book too, just basically three steps, or no, not even steps, the three recommendations, three things we ought to be doing if we want to hear from God. And I've thought about those and got that back out and was kind of refreshing my heart and my spirit on that this week. And I says, this, this, could, this could be it. I'm, I'm thinking, I, so I started, I started following him. I said, I, says, I, wanted to, I wanted to learn how he did it, you know? Imitation. So first thing I noticed is he prayed three or four times every session or time to begin, time to end, maybe something else. And he never once closed his eyes. I just thought that was interesting. So he'd be up here. You, he'd ask you, uh, let's pray. And our head, well, everybody's head but mine <laughs> went down. And, and I noticed, because I wanted to watch him. I want to watch how he prayed. And I noticed he prayed like this or like this or like this, looking at everybody that he's praying for and even when he's praying to God, just kind of, you know, just praying and open. I thought that's interesting. But I think it comes from a lifestyle that has spent so much time. I mean, I'm guessing when you're there with God for three to six hours, you're not going to have your eyes closed the whole time, right? <laughs> there are times you're going to have your eyes open. You're going to be looking at the scriptures. And that's, that's what he says. In fact, he says the first step, the first step that he takes in his, his hearing from God is this. Abide in Christ. He said, if you want to hear from God, if you want to listen to him, you need to abide in him. What he's saying is the first most important element of hearing from God is to work on your relationship with God. My sheep know my voice because they've spent time with the shepherd. Can you imagine the first time the shepherd walked in and said, follow me. And the sheep are going, who are you? 
In fact, Jesus kind of says that in John chapter 8 when he says this. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. If you're wanting to hear from God today and you get in your quiet time and you say, yes, this is why I need to abide with him. I need to get with him and I come to him. Is he going to come to you and say, ah, yeah, my child? Or is he going to say, who are you? (laughs) You don't belong to me. The first thing is to belong to him, to, to, to do what was done and represented here this morning, to, to say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I accept you as Lord and Savior, and then abide in him. Get with him, much like you do with your husband or wife or a family if you're not married. Just you, you're, When you're growing up with your family, you know what it's like to be with them all the time, to learn how they, what they, how they tick, to, to, to learn what, what's, what, what's their hot points, and, and Lord, what they like and what they don't like. You're, you're, you're getting to know him, and you're knowing you're, when you're spending time with God, you're getting to understand a little bit of his presence and his power and his purpose in your life. So first, we must abide in him. You know, people today don't abide in Christ. It might be different reasons, they, they, and they don't listen to him because, one, they don't believe that God speaks. Yeah, he doesn't really speak today. Or just not convinced that he speaks to us personally. But then, the other time is we just don't take the time. We ignore God. We're not involved with him. This is the John chapter 15 understanding of our relationship with God. We're, he's the vine, we're the branches, and, and, and that we get our power, our, our, the presence of God through Jesus Christ, through him. We abide with him. Pippo says he does two things when he does this time with God. He says he makes sure that he has solitude, which means he does nothing. He does nothing. Nothing else. Not checking out his emails on his cell phone, in fact, if you go on, the, on YouTube and, 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 and Google him, you'll find maybe him singing a song and playing guitar in a song I think he wrote. It's called Lay Your Cell Phones Down and Worship Him. <laughs> he said, I don't do anything. I just have my Bible, my paper, and my pad. And for three to six hours, I say, God, speak to me. And then the second is silence. No radio. No TV, not even music, which might be some, tough for some of us. But however, God's, I remember I said, how does God speak to you? If you're spending time in solitude with God, you begin to understand how God speaks to you. Maybe a little music in the background doesn't hurt, but God speaks. Here's what Pippo says about discernment, which is really the goal that we have. We want to hear what God says and understands it. He says, spiritual discernment is an inner capacity to hear God that is in direct proportion to our intimacy with God. Spiritual discernment is an inner capacity to hear God that is in direct proportion to our intimacy with God. There aren't shortcuts. This is not a mick mick prayer. (laughs) This is quality, devoted, t- 
time in solitude, in silence. Listening. He's my son. I love him. Listen to him. The second thing that Pipio does is this. He saturates, and this is what he says, saturate yourself in Scripture. Saturate yourself in Scripture. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, God's word is God-breathed, and it's profitable to, to speak to us, to, to hone us, to, to teach us, to direct us, to correct us. The psalmist says, I delight in their statutes. Saturate yourself in Scripture. You see, God has already revealed himself. He's already revealed everything that we need to know. You say, ah, read the Bible while I'm praying for three to six hours? I can't do it for five minutes. It's old, it's boring, I don't understand it, it's confusing. Sometimes it can be. You know, we preach out of different versions of the Bible, usually the New International Version, or sometimes I like the ESV, and sometimes Pastor Eric likes the NRSV. Those are just nicknames or letters for versions. But those, we preach out of those a lot of times because they're, they're scholarly. They, they, they translate maybe word for word what, what the Bible, the original languages say. But, but in meditation, which the Bible talks a lot about, meditating on God's word, sometimes some freshness is nice. I love to pull out a scholarly work, the message. But it's a, it's a translation that's it's more thought by thought. As I read through and as I, as I meditate, I don't use it to prepare sermons usually, but I use it to meditate and to, and to think about God and to maybe understand something with a new, fresh outlook of that. Maybe it's, a new, maybe it's the living translation. Maybe it's something else that just says, yeah, that helps me. In The Secret of Guidance, F.B. Meyer makes this claim. He says, the written word is the wire along which the voice of God will certainly come if your heart is hushed and your attention is fixed. This week, if this is new to you, take, take, take the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, maybe just one of them, and just start reading through it. Reading through it again and again and again. Read it slow. Don't not fast to get through it so I can say, hey, I read six chapters today. <laughs> read it through and say, Lord, speak to me. What do you have to say? Have your notepad there ready to write. Say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. Meditate over it. Digest it. You know, God has revealed himself. He's revealed himself in his word. What I do is I'm not looking for new revelation. But God speaks to me through this. I start reading and I see this Holy Spirit speaking through the word. And I hear words of encouragement. I hear words sometimes of correction. If I'm reading through the scriptures and I'm writing down, and all of a sudden, something comes to me, and God says, that's you? <laughs> oh, that's me? Sometimes it's words of inspiration. Encourages us to do what we wanted to do, or we thought God was calling us to do. Sometimes it's illumination. 
Sometimes he will show us something that we just didn't see before. And sometimes maybe it's a direction to go through reading his word, through abiding in him. Sometimes it's application. Here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to take my word and do it. It's not new revelation. It's application. But God is doing that. And Pippo then has a, has a third thing that I think is really great. It's very simple. He says this, hang around with people who do number one and number two. <laughs> hang around with people who abide in Christ and saturate themselves in Scripture. Hang around with people who love the Lord and are serious about the relationship with Christ and who are serious about his word. That's the way you hear from God. The way he had us do it. You know, I was expecting to go and, like I said, hear this. Uh, here's step one, two, three, four, five. We went to the first session. He talked a little bit. And he said, okay, here's, your, here's, here's what I want you to do for the next half hour. Go, leave your phones here. Take Psalm 23, take a pad, and take a piece of paper. Go out and read it. Read it over, read it over. Pray, ask God to speak to you, and listen. First three verses of, Matthew 20, or of Psalm 23 says this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I went back and looked at some of the notes I wrote in that half hour when I asked God to speak to me. First, I... It was just interesting. I just, it just hit me. The Lord's my shepherd. My shepherd. And that my, my relationship with Christ as he was speaking to me there just seems so real, so powerful. But it was really the next line that hit me. He makes me lie down. That word makes. Sometimes God's got to kick my legs out from under me. Time to lay down, time to rest, time to spend some time with me, time to get refreshed. And I was there saying, guilty, Lord, guilty. Forgive me. Then for today, he leads me. He speaks. He guides. He directs. How serious are you about this this morning? Do you really want to hear from God? I love another quote from Andrew Murray. He says this. Is the prayer of my lips really the prayer of my life? Is what I'm saying really what I want? Or am I being hypocritical? I want to hear from you, Lord, but I don't want to spend any time with you. I don't want to read your word. I, don't want to, I just want to go on my life as the way it was. Well, if that's the prayer of your lips, it's not the prayer of your life. It's time for some of us to get serious and say, this is the prayer of my life. I want it to be the case. The second day of our seminar, I was expecting to hear now the one, two, three, four, five, six steps. He told us, get your Bible, turn to Psalm 23, get a pen and paper and a pencil, <laughs> and go out for 30 minutes. But this time, he said, but here's a different version of Psalm 23. This version is actually written by a friend of his, Hal Ronin. He's a Bible translator. He teaches Bible translation at the University of Jerusalem. Everybody that comes through there to work on their own translating of, of the original languages, they, they have to study it there in Jerusalem. They're in Israel so that they are in the very place where 
Jesus was, where David was, where the authors of Scripture were. How Ronin, having walked through the areas where David would have been a shepherd with his sheep, translated Psalm 23 this way. When the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He is able, even in dry, hospitable desert terrain, with a multitude of circling, confusing paths, to lead me to the right path, that brings me to the rare grassy patches and by restful waters where I can lay down completely satiated. He refreshes my soul. He does all of this for his name's sake. Even when I walk in a ravine with shadows bearing deathly dangers, I fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod of leadership and your leaning staff comfort me. You prepare a banquet table in front of my enemies and you pour good oil on my head. My drinking bowl is full to the brim. Nothing but goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life and I will stay in the Lord's dwelling place for days on end. I sat down, I started writing with a whole new fresh approach. Same scripture, different version. For the next, just a little bit of time, these words of this 23 Psalm, 23rd Psalm, are going to come back on the screen and we're going to sit here in silence. Pray as you see them, as you read them, and if God speaks to you, write it down. The next minute and a half, allow God to speak with you. Was that good? Was it awkward? 
For some, that might be the longest you've spent meditating and focusing on God's word in quiet silence in a long time. I was reading that passage that first time that having been there and seeing what Howe must have saw and what David would have saw, a multitude of circling, confusing paths. But he directs me. He leads me. He guides me to the right one. I believe God speaks. I don't think he's got laryngitis. In fact, every week in preparing this message, if I'm not hearing from God, that's a scary, scary thing. And sometimes it is as tangible as if he was right there beside me. A few weeks ago, on Sunday morning, I was going over my message and God gave me something that wasn't in the notes. And I mean, it was like, I went... Pastor Eric was there. I said, Pastor Eric, this is 826. God spoke. <laughs> 826. God gave me something. And I was excited about it. I wrote it down. But it's, it's that tangible. And I knew it as soon as I got it. And that's not unusual. God speaks. But you're not going to know it if you're not spending time with him. If you're not learning how he speaks to you. He might speak to you through a sunset. He might speak to you through a bird flying through the sky. He might speak to you in very unusual ways, a burning bush experience maybe. But I will guarantee you, he will speak to you through this word if you let him do it. But you've got to focus, concentrate, spend time. And that's a commitment. That's a cost of discipleship that we're asked to have. Would you stand with me? Just if you're wondering that, uh, out at the guest services is our copies of that Psalm 23rd, the three that we just read, if you'd like to pick it up. So you can pick it up out there, take it home if you'd like that. But let's just bow our heads and close and ask the Lord to speak to us and that we would be good listeners this week. Lord, um, we thank, we are grateful and thankful that we don't serve a God with laryngitis, a God who is like the wooden idols that were brought before Elijah and, Lord, others that are useless. But you are involved in our lives. You speak to us. You direct us. Lord, help us to hear you. Lord, if, we, if, it's been so, if it's been a long, long, long time since we've heard from you, it's probably because it's been a long, long, long time since we've abided in you and we've gotten into your word. And we said, Lord, speak. And we shut up long enough to hear your voice. Lord, as, as individuals, I pray that you would come and speak to us in that way. Lord, help us to listen. As a church body, Lord, we need you speaking to us. We need you directing us. Lord, we pray for that. We beg of you, Lord, to speak. Lord, give us courage to obey. Give us hearts of desire to forsake some of the other things that, Lord, would compete and to focus just on your voice. We'll give you the praise this week as we go out and 
honoring and serving you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go. Be good listeners this week as you serve the Lord. You're dismissed. Goodness have you this morning. It's great.